Amen. What a joy it is to be in the house of the Lord. And uh, I love the story that a mother tells. She talks about uh, one summer night. It was just a tremendous thunderstorm that was happening outside. And she was tucking her little boy into bed. And he was kind of, you know, scared. And so after she kissed him and went to turn the light off in a trembling voice, he says, Mama, would you sleep with me? And, uh, and she came back to give him a reassuring hug. And she says, no, honey, I'm, I've got to sleep with Daddy tonight. And she started walking away, and there was a moment of silence. And then she heard him whisper, whisper the big sissy. <laughs> I, I love that. You know, but usually most of the storms that we face in life, you know, they're not, they're not uh, based on the weather. There are other things, like, you know, having maybe a disabled child born. And we understand what that storm is like and how unexpected it is and how it can disrupt life. We understand that. Or maybe it's even the joys of life is something that we can celebrate, but yet it's been disruptive. Or maybe it's something that is uh, that we're expecting. We're actually even planning on this, and it's disruptive. Like Heidi's mom passed uh, last October. She had had a stroke about... Um, with several strokes 15 years before and she just life was so poor and so we we knew that she wanted to move on and be with jesus and so that's what happened october mom passed but what i did not expect was during that time heidi's sister robin and her husband decided to move the remains of their little boy uh, this is heidi's little sister the, to have the remains of their little boy who was stillborn like 20 years ago or something uh, brought and to be buried with grandma and alone with grandpa with your dad um, it, I, I didn't realize what an emotional thing that was because when you're disrupted it is it's oftentimes unexpected right I mean when life is disrupted like when the doctor took me aside at the birth of my first our first child the doctor took me aside and it was highly intense and he said I need to know do you want me to save your wife or your unborn child because Heidi's placenta was ruptured, the cord was around the baby's neck, and and uh, and of course you know Courtney, you've met her, but there's this choice, this decision. I mean, life, a life or death decision. That's what we see here, here in the Book of Acts. And if you have God's Word, I'm going to turn to the Book of Acts, chapter 16. Invite you to turn there. If not, we have it on the screen here for you. But that's kind of the situation that the jailer faced. And remember, this is the ongoing story of Paul and Silas, and they've been beaten and flogged. You know, within an inch of their life because they had cast out an evil spirit from this girl that was possessed. And by the way, remember, she was making money for some folks uh, as a soothsayer or as a fortune teller. And so that, you know, opportunity dries up. And so they're angry at Paul and Silas. They get beaten and flogged and thrown in jail. And then what happens at midnight? I mean, you're with me. We're traveling the story together, right? And what happens then? Of course, the earthquake happens. They're praising and they're singing hymns and they're glorifying God, just like we are doing this morning. I mean, we're praising God, right? And and I think it's okay if we take time uh, to praise the Lord. I think it's okay if we shake the rafters in our praise, right? And so they're praising God. They're in stocks. Their feet are in stocks. And they're in that musty, dirty, old, dry, you know, cell. And, and they're worshiping and praising God. In the midst of that, this earthquake is unleashed by the hand of God. And then the cells fly open. And you get this. You have this image in your mind. What's happening? Then we look at verse 16, if you have God's word. The jailer woke up. And when he saw the prison doors open, he drew his sword 
and was about to kill himself because he thought the prisoners had escaped. Now, it's important that we kind of think about, okay, why? I mean, what's happening here? I mean, obviously, there's some backstory with the jailer. And and, and so in this scenario, uh, we see the jailer is obviously desperate. He's very desperate. Um, He's in such a pickle that he feels like he has to to kill himself. And I'm looking at that. I'm, I'm thinking, man, what's what's going on? I mean, he's bound by something just like the, the girl that was filled with an evil spirit was bound twice. Did you know that she was bound once spiritually and she was bound secondly, uh, economically. And so she was bound by these things, these forces in life. And so then we come to the jailer and and we see that he was probably bound by the authorities, those that were over him and maybe even by his own lost spiritual state. And then remember, the magistrates, they give the orders that you're to watch these prisoners. Now, maybe he was a reassigned military man, and this was a form of discipline, having to be a jailer in a prison, you know, in those damp and dusty, you know, jail cells. And I mean, I I don't know. I mean, we don't have that much detail, but maybe he had been given this assignment. It was a demotion. Maybe possibly uh, uh, he was a retired military officer, and, and so he's very stern and very disciplined. And so, you know, he's upset because things are not going the way he imagined his own mind. I mean, whatever. I think the second possibility, though, is that possibly maybe the jailer was wrestling with the fears of the divine almighty. I don't know. Maybe it was that this was the possible loss of his career and his family and his livelihood. And because of the personal charge that had been given him. But maybe this was a divine encounter of the power of God. And in that divine encounter power of God, the very heart of the jailer is shaken. Just as the foundations of that jail was shaken because he experiences the miraculous. And by the way, I believe in a miraculous God. And yes, I, I tend to, you know, lean towards more, you know, reason and logic. I mean, that's how I, I really kind of read the scripture. But man, there, there is no doubt that God is a miraculous God. And when God acts, foundations are shaken. And I'm wondering, man, what would happen if God were to move here and move this morning and the foundations of this church and the foundations of our heart was shaken? I mean, what would happen if, if we began to experience the presence of God in that way? And, and, and I believe, you know, this was somewhat of a, a conscious awakening, a conscious, a conscious awakening. And, and, and in other words, you know, here's the jailer maybe feeling unworthy spiritually and he's being shaken, obviously, maybe, maybe in the presence of the divine almighty, he's thinking, man, thinking about his life. What have I done? A conscious awakening. I think of, of, of the old terminologies. I think of the old, you know, preacher John Wesley, the old Methodist soldier of the cross, the apostle of ministry that already had a list of churches that he'd planted as long as his arm but then we read that he has this, this warming in his bosom. He has this, this fire in his bosom. And something comes alive in him because the, the baptism of the Holy Spirit that comes down. And I understand these are old terms and Pentecostal revivals that come to mind as we think of guys like George Whitfield and John Wesley and Jonathan Edwards and Charles Finney and, and Dwight L. Moody. It's evoking memories of, of rolling thunder and revivals that peel back the very gates of heaven itself. But the result is lives were transformed because he encountered the living power and the spirit of God. What would happen if we experienced that this morning? I think sometimes we're afraid for that to happen. 
We're afraid to have the Holy Spirit to pour His Spirit out upon us and to make, you know, a change and a difference in our life. You know, we, we look at, at, at this reality that, that there's a difference between human works and the sovereign work and the nature of the Holy Spirit. Did you know that? There is a difference between the human works, those things that we can plan and put together. And my team does a great job and they build, you know, our service and they talk about it, you know, weeks prior and the week of. And I mean, they do a fantastic job. But ladies and gentlemen, we fall short of the presence and the power of God if God is not in it. And I don't know what God is stirring in your heart and what he wants to do for your life and your family. But I know this, the power of God changes things. I, I like a quote from Dr. Elder Cummings. I read this quote almost in every case of new blessings. Thinking about renewal and revival. Almost in every case of new blessings, there is a new revelation for the character of God. Now, I want to note this is not for the sake of emotions. It's not for just enlightenment, but it's more like the helicopter light, you know, that is searching or the, the helicopter searchlight. And I can imagine the thump, thump, thump of the rotor blades is the presence of God that is up there. And there is the searchlight that is shining down, piercing their darkness. And that searchlight is shining upon the character of our soul. And showing possibly the deficiencies of our soul as compared to the character of God. And so in that revelation and the great searchlight as God shines his light upon us. We realize there is something that God wants to do in us. There is a work that he wants to complete in us as we hear his voice and respond to the anointing and the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. I think, you know, decisions sometimes shine the light on our character. I don't know what. You're going through right now. I, I don't know what you're facing. I don't know what kind of decisions you guys are, are needing to make or are struggling with. But, you know, oftentimes it's in that moment when we make decisions that is this revelation of, of what our character really is. And maybe it's something to do with work and maybe it's how you're reporting your hours or maybe uh, it could be something maybe small, some small detail that's revealing something about your character. Or maybe something more grand. That's revealing something about your character that God is trying to speak into. And he's wanting to disrupt your life. He wants to disrupt your life. See, I'm hungry to get to see the fire of revival in our church. Someone once said, man, you start a fire, people just come to watch it burn, right? But I'm hungry to hear and experience the fire of revival as God revives us and renews us even when our life is disrupted. And I, I know, I know what it's like when you're disrupted by having challenging scenarios in your life as a family. Heidi and I can relate to families with special need children, you know that. I know what it means for life not to turn out, you know, the way that you expected it to turn out. We, we know what that's like. We know what it means to feel helpless. But, you know, in these decisions, these life-changing disruptions and the decisions that we, we have to make, they not only just make or break us. I mean, you can say that. It sounds cliche. But, but they also shape us and they mold us. And God's using these things to shape and mold us into his image, even as we struggle through the decision-making process. And, and we're talking about decisions disrupting things 
no negativity, but just the reality like deciding to place an elderly parent in a nursing home. Or deciding to end a relationship. Or like this one man from Zephyr, our church down at Zephyr, he was sharing with me the decision he had to make to have his leg amputated. I can't imagine having to make that decision. Because he had an infection and he would die, they said, if they didn't do it. So he makes this decision. And and I, I can't imagine, you know, that life or death type of decision. And and maybe some of us are facing impossible odds and seemingly an impossible situation. But is it as bad as this, the, the jailer to where he, he screams, I'm going to fall on my sword. I want to die because he's let everybody down. The magistrates and his family has failed at his job. Maybe, maybe once again he's failed. I don't know what his scenario is, but, but he, he's failed, obviously. He wants to fall on the sword. I mean, I'm wondering if you've ever felt that way so bad that you wanted to die. I hope not. I, I hope you haven't felt that bad. But we look at th- this passage here and we recognize that that it's the grace of God that sweeps in and swoops in and, and begins to, you know, shed and reveal himself to, of course, the jailer and those that were there in the prison that day. And we think of Romans eight twenty eight, you know, as we face difficult times that all things will work together for those been called to God's perfect will and purpose. And, and we recognize that God is working, that God's grace is sufficient, and that his grace will help us to grow and help us to be spiritually strong and to live a better spiritual life. And he will help us in his grace. He'll help us to look at our character straight in the face. Someone once said, you don't know what character is until you're faced with it. So what are you faced with? What are you faced with? Paul, he shouted, remember, look at at verse 20, he shouted, don't harm yourself. I mean, the jailer's getting ready to fall on the sword, right? He says, don't harm yourself. We're all here. And maybe that's what you need to hear this morning. I don't know what you're going through right now in life, but maybe you need to hear that we're here. The family of God, we're here. You know, don't harm yourself. We're here. God is present. He loves you. He wants to be a part of your life. And I, I'm imagining the scenario is as the doors are flying open and the earth is trembling. And, and now the jeller, he's just devastated. He's shaken to his core and he's wanting to kill himself. I have this image in my mind. And in the midst of the story as it unfolds, you know, Paul and Silas notice they don't run away. Which kind of stands to reason regarding their character that they were praising and singing hymns to God and saying we're moral and we are people of character. And they were because they did not run away. I mean, that's the evidence. Praise the Lord. Amen. Praise the Lord. His holy name because he did not have to kill himself. He did not have to end it all. And I think the upside of the downside of life is that God is here. And he's here to the very end. And you may be faced with a hard decision, impossible odds, or a difficult situation. But that's the message here, that, that God is here. And that if you remember him, he will remember you. In fact, he'll remember you before you ever remember him. That's called prevenient grace. And his prevenient grace, he is working on your behalf, and he is loving you. And he has mercy for you, and he has forgiveness for you. And we invite you to just bring that to him today. Bring whatever it is to him and say, Lord, I'm going to trust you with this. 
I'm going to trust you with this. And, and I believe that he'll start that fire in your heart. He'll start that fire deep down inside of you as you say, God, I'm going to trust you with this. As you come before him and you lean upon him, he will come and he will be your rest. And he will be your strength. He will be your guide. You believe that this morning? God wants to do that for you today. In fact, I, I just want to invite us to stand. Let's stand together this morning. And I want to invite us just to worship I want to invite us to worship as we go to the Lord in prayer. And I'm not sure how the Lord wants to end this morning as we think about, you know, how life is so often easily disrupted. And sometimes by things that we plan, things that we don't plan, but life gets disrupted. And and I heard someone once said, and this is a little kind of on the human reason side, but, you know, it, it's not what happens to you. It's how you react to what happens to you. Right. How you react to what happens to you. And and I believe that the Lord, you know, he's not just going to do everything for you. But how you react to what happens to you is you can lean upon him and trust him and pray and talk to him. Or you can, you know, deny that blessing that he has for you. He wants to bless you. He wants to be a part of your life. He wants to give you strength right now as your life is disrupted. Whatever you're going through right now, he wants to help you with that decision. And maybe you're making some life-altering decisions right now. I mean, I I don't know. I can't read your mind. But I know this, that God loves you today. He wants to help you with that decision. He wants to walk with you through it. And he's going to just carry you through as life might be disrupted sometimes. He wants to be with you. Just bow our heads and close our eyes. Precious Father, we love you so much today. We thank you for answered prayer. We thank you, Lord, for the example that we see in this jailer. He was very human, very real. He felt like there was no answer. He was devastated. But, oh, Father in heaven, we see that Paul and Silas, their word and their example, Lord, begin to ring true in his heart. And Paul shouts out, don't do it. Don't harm yourself. And, Lord, maybe it's your voice today shouting out to that one, that that young man or that young woman right now or that, that couple right now. Don't do it. Don't harm yourself. I don't know what you're speaking into. I don't know what the situation is. But Father in heaven, I pray that you would come and you just surround that one, that individual or that couple, and that you would lift them. Lord Jesus, that you would lift them. And that you walk with them, Lord, as they are going through what they're going through. And that, Lord, that they know that your presence is real. And that, Lord Jesus, that you're going to be there with them. And so, Father in heaven, we bow our heads and we close our eyes and we just take a moment and we worship you we just worship you for being the god that you are the creator of heaven and earth the giver of life but a god that lord never leaves us or forsakes us a god that even though life is disrupted that lord that you walk with us you're by our side and so father we just come to you right now and we just say lord i need your help lord i'm going to trust in you I'm calling out to you right now, Lord. Hear my prayer. You're praying that way. Heads bowed, eyes closed. Just lift your hand this morning. If the Lord is just speaking to your heart, God bless you. Speaking to your heart, just God bless you. Some of you, just lift your hands and Lord, you're speaking to my heart. Lord, you're starting a fire in me. And Lord, I just want to just lift a hand, not for the pastor's benefit, but because you love God. You want him to know that you're moving in your life. You're moving in their lives. And so, Lord, we just respond to you right now. Just lift your hand. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus, for what you're doing. Thank you, God, for stirring our hearts. Father, we worship you today. 
We want to bless you, Father, with our lives. We worship you, Father, and we thank you for disrupting us enough, Lord, to know you better, to trust you, to lean upon you. Because it's oftentimes in those weaker moments, those disrupted moments, that we learn to have faith. And so, Lord, bring that to completion in that one's heart this morning as they learn to have faith and trust you. So, Lord, we just come and we just worship you today. We ask this in Jesus Christ's wonderful name. Amen.